1: Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Kindled. So happy that you're back here with me this week. Today, I'm going to talk to my friend Stephanie Reisinger, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Kansas City. Stephanie also runs a podcast called Holistic Fertility and Wellness Podcast and runs a Facebook support group for women experiencing infertility. Stephanie is a new mom. She has a daughter that is 10 and a half months, And I recorded this interview a couple months ago. It was one of my very first, and Stephanie was generous enough to be sort of my guinea pig as I was just getting started and wanted to practice with someone who would give me the grace to let me call them back with multiple questions. And so that's why there's a little bit of a discrepancy when we're talking in one part of the episode that her baby is nine months, and then in another part it says 10 give us a little grace for that. Stephanie was so gracious with me. My husband and I have known Stephanie and her husband, Michael, for several years now as our husbands worked together and that's how we actually met. And they actually walked through a season of infertility uh, for about nine years and they even experienced um, some failed adoptions and trying to add to their family just proved to be a much longer journey than they anticipated. So, when we met them, actually they did not have any kids and I think we just had one. But a couple years later, I remember getting a call, the call that they were pregnant. And if you've ever walked through infertility with someone, you know what I'm talking about, like it you feel the weight of that, not to the degree that they do, of course, but you carry that and it's just a burden of sadness and grief and sorrow and waiting and asking. So when we got that call, I mean, we were just overjoyed. Like my heart was just exploding with happiness for them. And we, Joey and I both started bawling and the girls were looking at us like, what is wrong? What are you guys? Why are you sad? We were just so happy and could not believe um, could not believe it. And there's just so much joy. I just at the same time do want to say that I know that's not how every infertility story ends and that some people listening are still walking in that really, really dark place. And so I just want to acknowledge that it is an incredibly isolating and stressful time because nobody can fully understand what you're going through And it's also extremely common. It's one in eight couples are dealing with infertility in some way. So I hope if that's you, that you hear the hope in Stephanie's story, not the hope of a baby or of a promised child, but the hope of heaven, which is where this story ends and leads to. And I think that when you walk through something like that with friends and couples, it just knits you together in a way spiritually and on like a a heart level that can't be really fully explained. Like every time we get together with them, somebody cries. I mean, usually all of us, like somehow there's just this very deep, like kindredness of heart. And I don't know, it's hard to explain. So I don't need to explain it. I'll just let you listen to the show. Oh, hi, Willow. And hi, Stephanie.
0: Hi. Thank you so much, Haley. Yeah. I love that she's here because it just shows you mom life, right? Like, yeah.
1: Exactly. She's
0: just oh, she's saying hello now.
1: Hi. <laughs> it's, it's fun that we live in the same city and that we just had dinner last week and got to catch up on life. And um, actually, you, you know, we did talk in person about what your work has been looking like since becoming a mom and just juggling that. But why don't you tell me first uh, and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of what your story is?
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as work and motherhood go, um, I have always been a super high achiever and I, um, really have made, I guess, accomplishment has been a huge, part of my identity for a long time. And I've known that, and I've, I've been really aware of that. And at the same time, kind of battling, <laughs> you know, to not make that such an important thing in my life. But I have, um, you know, I got, got a master's degree in a, um, license in marriage and family therapy, um, uh, have been practicing that for almost 10 years. And, um, at the same time, like I, I was a, a college professor for five years and, um, And doing all these things as we were trying to get pregnant. And so um, really going, I'd say, you know, going nine years waiting to become a mom and at the same time working so hard on all of these accomplishments in my life, it's been a really tough transition to go from having all of the, I guess you'd say, time and focus to be able to accomplish things, (laughs) um, to now having an, an almost nine month old daughter who is, um, requires a lot of my time and attention. And, and I enjoy giving that time and attention, of course, but, um, at the same time, it's, it's tough for me to have made that transition to, um, like have to focus on just a couple of things during the day, rather than, checking off 15 things from my to do list.
1: Yeah. That's hard. So how do you, like, since you have had to limit yourself, maybe in your expectations of what you can do in a single day, how do you, or how have you focused in on, you know, how do you make those determinations and, and kind of narrow your gaze, so to speak?
0: It has been, oh my gosh, it has been quite a battle these last nine months of trying to figure that out. And I finally think I found my groove there in just really figuring out what the essentials are. So I have a whiteboard on my wall of the top three focuses for the week. And then I have a, um, I have a calendar, a day planner, where I write down the top three for the day. And this really keeps me focused on what's most most important so I don't get distracted by all these other things I could or should, in air quotes, should be doing. Right. Um, and I'm able to just... I really, in doing that, I feel that sense of accomplishment that I really need. And at the same time, don't like have to do a hundred things. And I really get done what matters most.
1: That's like... Um... I'm also an achiever personality and that is like efficiency mm-hmm. crack for me to think of like actually getting your three most important things done in a day is like what that's you know that's amazing
0: <laughs> right absolutely and it's like um it's it feels really good when I can do that. And sometimes I can't even do all three. Right. And that's, and like learning how to be okay with that. Even, even if I just get one thing or, you know what, even if I get none of them done that day, um, you know, Willow and I stayed alive and we had time together and that's the most important thing. And so, um, really just having to come to, a place of peace with that and I, I'm certainly not perfect at it by any means but I'm getting better
1: and I, I identify with that for sure that you do you do improve very slowly you don't always see it day to day but I think you see it year over year more so like mm-hmm. last year this interruption would have like thrown me for a loop and now I'm like yep this is just life you know this is the new normal right,
0: <laughs> right. and you know one of the, um, just to clarify even what some of my to do's are in my, and my focuses is that they're not all work related. Like a couple of weeks ago, one of my top three for the week was to cultivate friendships Mm. to make sure that I focused on that. And so that was actually the week we had you guys over for dinner. And, um, and so my to do for the day might be, you know, get in touch with a friend and set up a, a time to get together. Yeah. I love and, that. And, uh, yeah, I that is just as important, if not more important than those work or home to do's that we tend to have on our lists.
1: Yeah. That's so true. To like put those alongside of those other items and give them importance and relevance in your, yeah. in your life and day to day. Yes, Exactly. So, tell us a little bit about your guys' story. You mentioned the nine years of infertility, and you guys have been married for 13 years. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that was like, going going through that weight, and, and what it's been like, maybe on the other side
0: of that? Yeah, it's... Um... You know, it would probably be a whole other podcast episode for me to even, yeah, like scratch the surface of the story. But after you know, over nine years, we um did um, we had one ectopic pregnancy and one failed adoption, and um, went through lots of different holistic methods of uh trying to improve our health and fertility, and then finally did conceive naturally in August of twenty sixteen. Um and so that of course it has been a huge blessing and amazing and our daughter is now almost nine months old and um as far as on the other side of that one of the huge realizations for me as well in all of this has been that there isn't necessarily an another side. Um, because yes, we did overcome infertility in the sense that we have a child now and we're incredibly grateful for her. And at the same time, there are a lot of things that still carry over from that time. Like there's still fears that I have, um, that I, I'm sure other mothers have, uh, but I think they might be intensified for me because it took us so long to have her and bring her into our life that I still have these really sort of intense fears of her being injured or dying or, you know, these like horrible things that, um, come up for me. And I realized that, um, that a lot of that stuff just carries with you. And, and I've had a lot of healing. It's just that now I am also dealing with, Um, everything's new as well. So every new thing that comes up brings up new anxieties, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's a continual process and, um, and also makes me want to continue to sort of be the guinea pig for Other women, like I have been in providing support for infertility, and now um, I'm wanting to provide a bit more support for mothers after infertility because I realize how, um, how there are some unique things that come up because of that. I've never thought of that or really heard anybody talk about that. Yeah, I don't think moms say it out loud very often. Because yeah. I haven't heard much of it either, but I I imagine I'm not alone in that. Right. Well, like, almost maybe there's this idea that
1: couples who have struggled with infertility like think that after they do have a baby, that, you know, you should be so grateful that you don't ever mention it again, or you don't act like it's a struggle because you have a child, like what about the people who have, who don't have a baby yet? But in reality, it doesn't, you know, negate the fact that you have gone through that for the better part of the last decade. And that, that doesn't just go away in one day or one baby, or it it doesn't Mm -hmm. probably just disappear.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, um, that's really, that's really significant. The amount of time, um, that I'm sure other women who, or I should say couples who have gone through infertility for a shorter amount of time, probably still experience some of those things. Uh, but you know, we had almost a decade of practice of, of worry and, um, grief and disappointment, you know? And so, uh, that's a long time that, that has to be significant. Okay,
1: friends, I have to interrupt and say that at this point, the audio changes for a little bit because I had to call Stephanie back to ask her a little bit more about this concept of the other side. The settings were a little different the second time around, so that's why the change, but I just wanted to let you know. Okay, back to the interview. Can you talk a little bit about um, this idea of the other side and this concept that, you know, I think we hear a lot of people say, I I think that it's really a popular terminology. Can you kind of talk about what that means to you and, um, and what kind of validity that has in your own life?
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, I think going through this experience and being where I'm at right now has really shown me that, even more than I realized before, that we never actually arrive. Like we have this concept in our minds that there's this thing, this goal, this, um, circumstance in life that once we get there, then we're going to be good. Like then I'll be happy. Then I'll be, then I'll, I'll know the meaning of life or whatever it is. And the truth of the matter is we never exactly arrive because once we get to that spot we realize there are new challenges with that spot as well. And I want to be really cautious not to imply that that means life's always just going to suck. Like I I think there are seasons that are really hard and others that are much more joyful and we we go, you know, back and forth between these things. Um but I think it's just so important that we realize that we are going to have new challenges with every new season of life. And we have to sort of take those things in stride and find the joy and contentment in each season that we're in without this this idea that we're going to get to some place that's going to make us happy.
1: Mm-hmm. So in your life right now, you know, coming through, you guys are, you have an almost one-year-old, mm-hmm. um, but for basically a decade, you're, you know, your experience was of infertility and grief and loss. And so only being like a year out of that, what does that look like for you to be, you know? And again there I go saying like out of it you're out of it you know and it's (laughs) like you're not necessarily like just removed just because you now have a Uh baby and I think that's the thing that is probably so hard for women and even just human beings in general to reconcile that like okay but I should be okay now I should I have what I thought I wanted I have what I asked for I have what I prayed for and whether that's a baby or a job or a business or a husband or whatever, and then, like, but you were still not satisfied, or you're still like life is still hard, or you know whatever that is, um so what does it look like for you today
0: today, you know it's it's like every every day is something different, every day is new. I have had a very um a very challenging last ten and a half months. And I don't know if it's necessarily related to the fact that I had 10 years of infertility and like all of these years as an adult practicing being an independent woman and, you know, being able to do whatever I want to do. I think there are elements of all of those things in it. And some of it are elements of just the difficulties of being a new mom. Um, So it's all this stuff wrapped up together. And... Um, and I've just found for me that, uh, that it's really like, I, I'm not, I'm not sure of a different way to say this right now. I'm not sure if I will describe it like this another time, but what keeps coming to my mind is like becoming a mom has just completely ripped me to shreds and then, like Jesus is putting the pieces back together and it's not even the same pieces. Like they're, they're like new pieces now, um, that I didn't have before. And, um, and so I guess all of that is really me trying to say like, what it looks like for me is that I'm, I'm discovering, who I am again. And I thought that I knew, but now there's like this whole different person I'm having to get to know. And, um, at the same time, like giving so much of myself to this other little person who needs me all the time. And, um, and so I just, like in my professional life that ends up reflecting in, all these women that I work with who are going through infertility, I almost want to scream, be like, you have to understand, please, please, please understand that it's not going to fix you. Like becoming a mom is not going to fix all of your hurts and sadness. There will be things that will be incredibly wonderful and fulfilling. And at the same time, you will experience some of the most awful depths of pain as well. It's just a a crazy roller coaster. And it's why we just need Jesus so much.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I I I think you are hitting the nail on the head there that it does rip you to shreds, of course, you know, becoming a mom for the first time and even the second time. And like probably the third time too. Like mm-hmm. every time Life shifts and changes, and the season turns. You know, you again, what you have built up, or what you have, what has become your habits, or your way of existing and coping with life, and all the things that you know you start to think that you need. So, when you're, when you don't have kids, like I remember vaguely, I remember what that's like, but I, <laughs> I remember, you know, just claiming all this time that was mine. Like, and if I didn't get that time, I wasn't okay. Or if I didn't get my priority, my to do list done. I wouldn't be okay. Like, the end of the okay. day, I was not okay. I was like, no, this wasn't a good day. And I would have that right. sort of attitude. Like, I demand this. And, you know, obviously we still, you know, we don't just change on a dime when we have a kid like we're still Mm -hmm. fighting for that and we're still like clinging to no but i need this like i demand this like (laughs) you will not take this from me you tiny baby you go to sleep and and then you know they skip a nap like one day and you're like well at least there's always tomorrow and they skip another nap you're like oh my gosh like i'm losing my mind and yeah i mean it is a ripping to shreds and like you said like it's necessary for him to put us back together in a way that more closely resembles him, that some Mm -hmm. things are lost and some things are ripped out of our hands and we're left wanting, but we're left wanting him. Ultimately we realize like, and we continue to realize over and over, I'm not even done realizing that like what I wanted wasn't the to do list to be accomplished. What I wanted was like his approval or, or that feeling of being loved. Yes. Yes
0: that's the, that, like I said, that's, there's this goal that we have in mind. If I get this goal done, if I get this thing done, even if it's just some silly thing on a to-do list, it's like, then I'm okay. Yeah. That thing is going to make me okay. Right. And that's just not the truth. Yeah. And
1: we know that, I mean, it seems so amateur to like be even saying that and, you know, needing to repeat that truth to yourself. Cause we know it in our heads. Like, of course, like, I know that's not going to make me happy. Like, you know, whatever it is, but we fall into living like it will, even though we Mm -hmm. say we know that it won't. Um, I think a part of me is still always, it's almost like a drug. Like I think, and maybe that's just the achiever in me. It's like, I go back for that high of the checking the thing off the list or, like, or feeling accomplished or feeling like I've like, I still have some control over my life, you know, in the, in the midst yeah. of the reality that I, that I ultimately really don't. And I know like, I don't control my life. So, uh, yeah, that is, yeah. um, but that's what it feels like. I mean, I would imagine it's sort of that same, like, I just need this, I need to do this and nobody get in my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, huh. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, how you are kind of approaching productivity and you're, it's shifted and changed your values. You've, you know, really narrowed down to like three things. And, and that is a lot, even still like three Mm -hmm. is still ambitious, you know, three a day and three a week. Um, but what does that look like for you in, you know, shifting priorities in your work? Because you did work for probably more than 10 years, even before you became a mom and oh yeah um and got really comfortable, you know, with what your work looked like. So if it's true that everything about me has to be torn down and rebuilt back up, what does that mean for your work or your business or how you are you know, how you are living out like what you're passionate about with helping others and your you know, being a licensed therapist and all of those other things that are you know, that are still you, like that's still part of who you are.
0: Yeah, that has definitely changed dramatically as well. And I I try to be cautious with this also because there's there are a lot of women out there who I know who still maintain the same level of intensity after they have kids, and I don't want to make it seem like my experience has to apply to everybody and they're somehow doing it wrong. They are in different situations than I am, different people than I am. For me, I have had to scale back on the intensity again and again and again. And um, I've always been the person in my profession who was volunteering for all the extra things, going to all the networking events, um, doing all kinds of extra like speaking engagements and everything I could do to increase my... um, increase my uh, exposure and connect with more people. And I have continued to do that. Like, even though it's been on a much smaller scale, I catch myself continuing to do that and like volunteering for these extra things Mm -hmm. and then going, I do not have the time. What am I doing? Like even something that seems so small and easy, like recently I, um, I volunteered to guest blog for somebody back in February. I was supposed to have this blog done for her and it didn't get done the week I was supposed to get it done. I kept pushing it back, pushing it back. And then it was like, finally we got to this point where it's like, okay, we're going into April and she needs this for like next week. And I just had to send her an email and say, I am so sorry. I just have to pull out because I can't leave you hanging and I haven't gotten this done. And I'm, I've finally got to this place where I'm like, okay, Stephanie, you have to stop. (laughs) You have got to stop trying to do all these extra things. I have to narrow my focus down to what is the most essential to my business and just do those things really well. And sometimes it's not even really well because I I don't have the time or energy or focus. So just Mm -hmm. like These very very few things that I can do. Just doing them at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you struggle with like? Because
1: I do. Do I I struggle with identity being wrapped up in what people like pleasing people and not disappointing them or thinking that I'm disappointing them, even if it's not that big of a deal? Like you're saying. Like, is that a struggle for you, or
0: where are you at? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a huge struggle for me. Like I'm, I worry about being judged or seen as flaky. I worry about mm-hmm. being seen as unprofessional. Um, all of the things I, I guess that are insecurities for me. Mm-hmm. I worry about those things.
1: Yeah. So how, I mean, like, how did you, is this just, cause that is really scary to me, like your situation of saying no and saying I've got to pull out, like that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what you needed to do in that situation, but that's like, oh my gosh, like, oh, like (laughs) that. I I mean, obviously shows me my, you know, some of my weaknesses there, but like, what was it like a spiritual certainty and confidence that you knew? Just like, this is, I don't have peace about this or.
0: Yeah, actually, this is going to sound so amateur, but I started praying about it. (laughs) Oh, shocker.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know. Right.
0: I was like, I really need to be praying every day about what, where, where God wants me to go, what direction is right in this situation, and praying about things specifically. So I, I asked him, God, am I supposed to do this guest blog? And it just felt like this resounding no. And it took me like three days to send the email because I'm still in my head going, well, maybe I'm maybe i'm mm-hmm. not hearing that right yeah <laughs> or that just feels so uncomfortable also to have to to send this email and tell mm-hmm. her no and um finally i just was like no i have to listen to god i don't have to know the reason i have to yeah. just listen to him and just do it
1: yeah and that brings up a really good point that i um that we haven't talked about really on the show yet but that i to have thought about a lot as an entrepreneur and you know when you're making decisions alone kind of on an island for yourself and your business and there's nobody else to really bounce ideas mm. off of and I mean you've got your husbands; so you can say like what do you think but they're not really an unbiased party you know they're ultimately going to side right. with you sort of I mean sometimes they they're you know going to oppose you but a lot of times they're like well like what do you think you know best like mm-hmm. and it's like well actually I don't know I have no clue and I think that a lot of times, like, I mean, I'm thankful that I know the Lord and I like, I can ask him and trust that he will lead me in the direction if it's one that I should or shouldn't go in. But, um, this is so cheesy, but it's sort of like one, that idea of like, Jesus is the CEO. And I, and I don't say that lightly, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to wear a t-shirt. I just mean like that when it comes down to what choice I'm making in my business, how I'm comporting myself, how I'm moving forward. If I'm not consulting with him, if I'm not like praying and asking for continued guidance and peace in the decisions that I'm making, then I should be really concerned. You know, I should be really concerned for not only the direction I'm going, but like, is it like what, why would he allow me to keep something ultimately that's going to lead me away from him? And I mean, like he might let us wander and stray, but ultimately he's going to bring us back. And so, you know, submitting and obeying out of like, also that this is the only way I'm going to even be able to continue to run a business or function is if I continue to submit this to him and, and do the thing that might not actually be the most comfortable because comfort doesn't equal the right way to move forward, even though it feels like that.
0: Yeah. And it usually isn't the right way to move forward. (laughs) It turns out like it's usually the uncomfortable thing that we need to do. (laughs) Yeah. Which is so hard. I know. I know it's the worst, but I've learned so much from it as well. And, and, and it makes it easier, you know, the more uncomfortable stuff I have to do, um, I, the easier it is, to move forward with things that are uncomfortable,
1: yeah, it's the practice of saying no to things. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read any of Bob Goff's books?
0: You know what? I actually haven't. Oh I'm surprised gosh. at myself to even say that. Yeah, but I, I
1: haven't. I love him, but in his book "Love Does," he talks about how I think he's pretty well known for doing this. But he quits something. I don't know how often. I think it was like I'm going to have to look this up. But he quits something. Every so often, whether it's once a month, I don't remember if it's every few months or whatever. I do remember hearing this. Yeah, and like one of the times that he quit something, he actually quit his law practice. Like he is a lawyer wow. that owns his own practice, and he walked in one morning and handed the keys to the building to like one of his, you know, top guys, and was like, "You're you're in charge. I'm done. I'm <laughs> I'm piecing out," and I'm like. That's maybe not all of our call to, you know, quit our business tomorrow, but, (laughs) but I like the, the looseness that, that shows that he holds all of his endeavors, you know, in his hands. Mm -hmm. Like he's not clinging and grasping so tight to the thing God's given him. He's holding it loosely because God ultimately has given it. So why, why are we afraid if he takes it away? Like he's going to give us something else, you know, it's like, this isn't the only thing God can give you, whether it's this business or this child or this, you know, marriage that you want or whatever it is. Like if he's ultimately the giver of good gifts and every good and perfect gift comes from him, then why are we afraid when he will take something away or Mm -hmm. if, if he does take something away thinking that, you know, that he won't give us something else.
0: Yeah. It really shows us what we put our trust in. And I think goes back to that whole idea that we have, we have these thoughts and goals in our minds of the things that are going to make us right and happy and content. And those things aren't probably true. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, like, I, I don't know how to be exactly clear and careful enough that it sounds like, it's bad to have goals or no, that right. we're, um, like we're not, we can't be happier than we are right now. Somehow yeah. it's just a huge mindset shift, I think, and finding joy in things today and also moving forward with goals and also holding those things loosely, like you said, right. and, yeah. and knowing that ultimately, um, like, ultimately, what we're striving for is heaven. Mm-hmm. What we really want is heaven. And that's why we're never going to be satisfied completely by anything here on earth.
1: Yeah, this is not our home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is that is uh, good words. And we can only accomplish that and only live that out with the help of the Holy Spirit. So that Amen. points us back to Jesus again. Thank you, Stephanie. So... The motherhood and work conversation is kind of a heavy topic and can be hard to engage with with other moms, I think, because no matter what side of the equation women fall on, they can feel judged whether you stay home full time and don't work, you can feel judged for not working or if you work full- time out of the home or you know work part- time out of the home, you can feel judged for that as well so um, What encouragement would you offer moms who are really just trying to do their best and trying to do good work in their homes and in their work, whatever, you know, qualifies as their work, whether it's the dishes or, you know, being on the board of an organization, whatever that may be. Um, What encouragement from your, from your personal experience do you think would, what kind of comes from you and and what you've learned?
0: I think I really think you already said it that we're all just trying to do our best. I think that's the most important thing for moms to remember when they're judging themselves um, or judging somebody else that we're all really just trying to do the best we can. And that looks different for everybody. And so if what seems like the best fit for your family is that you're working full-time outside of the home, okay. If what seems like the best fit for your family is that you're home part-time or you're home full-time, you don't work at all, uh, you know, as apart from home uh, duties, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, if that what seems like the best fit for your family, that is okay. And I, I want to be cautious not to say if that's what works for your family, um, because I think the distinction is th- that having young children, um, feels a bit crazy, I think, regardless. So we may get the sense that like, well, it's not working for my mm. family, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> because it's not perfect because it's not all put together and everybody's not happy and all smiles all the time. And I don't think that that's what it needs to be. Cause I don't think that's even possible. It's just that what feels like the best fit for your family.
1: Um, yeah. and that
0: you may not know that right away. Like I, I actually interviewed for a full-time job, um, I don't know, three or four months back and was actually considering going to work full-time again. Um, and it just, it wasn't right. It just was not right. And so we didn't do it. And, um, But I was willing to explore that and see if that would fit for our family. When you went to that job interview and you realized like, okay,
1: I just, this isn't going to be a good fit. What, was there anything that you used to kind of, any questions you asked yourself or like, I don't know, measures that you kind of ruled that decision up against to see, is this a good fit for my family? And I know I'm asking you that you, you didn't have that question before. So, um, (laughs) that's okay. I don't know if there's anything like that's translatable to other people that, that you used when kind of thinking through that with your own family.
0: Yeah. I think it's really practical stuff. Like, um, financially, was it worth it? Because we would have to pay somebody to, um, watch our daughter full time, So that it really had to be worth it financially. Uh, It had to be the right fit with the time. And some of the hours that I was going to have to work would have been evening hours. And I I do that once a week now, but it would have been twice a week. And, you know, twice a week, missing bedtime is different than just once a week. Um, And so we had to um, you know, really weigh that out as well. So it was just the, the super practical stuff. Cause it, it honestly would have been a really, I think a fulfilling job in a lot of ways. I think I really would have enjoyed it, but practically speaking, it didn't line up for what our family's trying to do.
1: I love it. Practical, practical advice. Um, what is God teaching you right now in your season of life with Willow being nine months, getting close to walking? I've seen her pull up, and she's starting to be a little more mobile. Um, yep, she's to
0: pull all the books off of the bookshelf as we speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what um, What has God been teaching you through your work, through your motherhood? Can you share a little about that?
0: Yeah, he's He's been teaching me a lot. And I think as far as motherhood goes, he's been teaching me, um, that I can't protect her from everything. And I've known that to be true. Uh, but even just in, you know, her climbing up on everything and falling down all the time and hitting her head. And I, um, you know, that's just the beginning of a lifetime of me not being able to protect her from everything. And if I do, she'll never learn how to Mm -hmm. function. Um, and so he's definitely teaching me that. And then about myself, he's been teaching me this whole, this whole accomplishment thing, just how deep rooted that has been in my identity and, um, that I need to figure out and, and really know who my, who I am in him and who he has made me to be apart from my ability to accomplish things. Um, and that is tough, man. That is really tough. Yeah. What does that look like on a
1: on a daily basis? I mean, what well, what I, I guess what I'm thinking is for me, I that sounds good, but I know that in reality it's really not a fun process to go through because you actually then <laughs> You know, for me, it looks like not not actually getting anything done some days, and like like you mentioned, like still being okay at the end of the day because you know that your identity isn't in him, but or is I'm sorry, is in him and isn't in the thing.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it like you said, it that sounds good on paper, (laughs) but oh my gosh, it is so hard because I have these legitimate like moments of crisis where I'm thinking, who am I? And one of the, um, you know, one of the most important things that I was teaching and still I'm teaching women who are going through infertility, um, but was teaching them before I even got pregnant was how important it is to know your identity, um, before you become a mom. So you're not, searching for your identity in your children. And I still believe that to be true. Um, but there was a piece missing that I didn't know about before I was a mom, that after you become a mom, your identity changes quite a bit as well. And um, that it's it's okay. <laughs> and it's okay to be affected by the fact that you're a mother and you know, let that ch- change some of your identity. Um, but it's, uh, it's such a, a challenge and, uh, an ever changing process and, um, and gosh, it's like just, it's really, what am I trying to say? I guess just that it's been much more difficult than I ever imagined it would be.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And it's certainly not over. And she's pulling my face off right now.
1: (laughs) Sorry to interrupt, but at this point we had to take a quick pause break for Willow to chew the microphone. Okay, back to the interview.
0: All right, I'm back.
1: It's okay. So the three questions that I ask every guest are what... The first first one is what's your favorite tip for moms? So this could be really anything that's kind of a practical tip, something that you do in your own life, whether that's like an organizing or efficiency tip. You mentioned your planner thing, which I think totally counts. But is there anything else you want to share? Um,
0: that's the best thing I got right now, and okay. I'm really I'm really loving it. And so I'm going to stick with that, that have the top three focuses for the week. And then in my planner, I've got the top three for the day. And of course they need to line up with the three for the week.
1: Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. I need to start doing that. Um, what do you do for fun?
0: Um, for fun, I, I, I mean, well, currently I play on the floor with my kid, <laughs> but you know, in addition to that, you know, the things that I enjoy just as a, an individual, um, I love to sing and play guitar. And I do that at my church. Um, I help lead worship and I just love music in general. So listening to music, singing music, playing music. I, um, also before, Before I got pregnant, I was doing CrossFit, and I did a couple of mud runs that year, and it's something I would like to return to. I just, I really, really love physical activity and feeling strong and all of that, and so... um,
1: Well, the next time you do a mud run, let me know, because I'll I'll, I'll join you on that one.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm going to hold you to that, because it is the best really? it is so much fun oh yeah my
1: gosh i'm like imagining that it gets everywhere like into every oh, yeah. crevice and crease like <laughs> in a in a bad way but <laughs>
0: well, well yeah <laughs> there there is that but at the same time it's so freeing it's like i am completely covered in mud yeah. and there's nothing I can do about it right now, and that's okay. <laughs> so for like
1: for people who like to be in control like you and I, it's really therapy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is
1: there any, like, verse
0: or truth that has just been really hitting home for you lately that you could share? You know, a truth that it, it's—I'm sure there's a verse to back it up somewhere, um, but I don't know it off the top of my head, but a truth that I have been— Um, really faced with lately and trying to live in is that this moment is all that exists. This moment is all we have. Um, And so not spending my time, well, living in the past hasn't ever really been a a struggle for me, but not spending my time so much trying to live for the future um, and trying to plan and plot for all of my agendas, but really being in the moment and enjoying, even in the hard times, just living in what is right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking of the verse, um, and I just looked it up. But Matthew six twenty seven: Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Um, mm, or yes. then there's John ten ten: I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So like abundant life, like you're talking about not living in the past or the future and like robbing yourself of
0: the joy, but of having full life where you're at. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, what is the verse too? of, you know, each day has enough troubles of its own, you know, same kind of principle that, um, I don't want to waste my, the time that I have right now on some theoretical possibility (laughs) of the future.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and just sharing some of your life today and what your what your work is looking like with that little cute baby Willow who I hear breathing <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> you can tell her someday she was a podcast guest um, before she was even a year old.
0: I will. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, and I will see you soon. Sounds good. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, friends, we mentioned it briefly in the show, though we didn't get in depth with what Stephanie actually does. She supports and helps women through infertility, pregnancy, and postpartum in her private practice and has a Facebook support group for women going through infertility. You can learn more by visiting her website at holisticfertilitypodcast.com. Stephanie also runs a podcast around these same issues, and it's called Holistic Fertility and Wellness Podcast, if you want to check that out. All that will be linked in the show notes, which you can find by visiting kindledpodcast.com and clicking podcast, where all the episodes are available with links mentioned and links to profiles online of all of our guests. Guys, I'm also going to take this minute to ask you to leave a rating and review if you're enjoying Kindled. It is life to me as these episodes take hours and hours to plan, record, edit, and produce, not to mention then promote. And if you would just take 30 seconds to leave a a rating, it would be the perfect thank you if you're liking the content you're hearing on these episodes. Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys next week back here on Kindle. Bye.